Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This time on The Kindness Project, the finance king, Henry VIII, and we have part one of our interview with Patrick Laurent. I'm starting, because I... I can't wait for you to get comfortable. Like, sort of, if... if I'm, like, the most uncomfortable person on the planet. I find it very difficult to be comfortable. That, you've just stole my intro. Um, this is Charlotte, the most uncomfortable person on the planet. Um, it's actually not my intro. My intro is... I've got to find it now. I've, start, I've started prematurely. Um, uh, my intro is... I'm joined by a girl. And this is the official start of the podcast. I'm joined by a girl who, if she wrote a life story, she'd just call it Mer. It's Charlotte Dames. Oh no, my intro sounds really stupid now. No, it sounded stupid before as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always sounded stupid. Um, and I just thought of it on the way here because I was like, holy to moly, I need two intros. I haven't even got one. Um, and it was just, okay, I'm going to have to go into the rambling. Are you going to start your intro anytime soon? In yeah, the next, um, I'm joined by the finance ki- finance king of Raynham Village. It's Chris Dane. Yes, no, I'm having, I'm taking that. The finance <laughs> king of Raynham Village. I'll quite enjoy that. Um, I'm not only the finance king of Raynham Village. You you don't need to live in Raynham Village to be a client of of mine. You know that. Yeah. You can live in near the cherry tree uh, or Hornchurch or business. And and actually, can I get a badge from my desk that says Finance King of Rain and Village? I'll get you a placard. <laughs> oh, I want a placard. Everybody should have a placard of their life. But are you, the problem is, right? If I look at the stuff that I'm proud of uh, the most. Clearly, being the finance king of Brandon Village is all right. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not moaning yeah, about it. That's, that's your birthday present this um, year. A placard that says "Finance King of Brandon Village," yeah. and I think you don't undersell yourself because as intros go, that was average. Um, <laughs> I like yours any better. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm taking that finance, finance king of Brandon uh, Village. What would you be king of? I wouldn't. I'd be queen. What would you be queen of? Um, this isn't question of the podcast, by the way, uh, listeners. Because it's, it's very difficult, though. So because I enjoy a lot of things, but I'm not good at a lot of things. Okay. Um, so you can't really call yourself queen unless you're good at it. Like, even if you hate it to bits, if you're good at it, then, then you can be queen. But uh, I am. I think these are arbitrary rules you're setting. I mean, King Henry VIII wasn't very good at. King stuff, but he still oh, no, got the title, didn't he? God chosen, the air marks are there. <laughs> chosen by God, yeah, and then when he, he wasn't, the, he yeah, just like, changed the religion. No, he believed, as all kings and queens, kings and queens, <laughs> as if there was queens, um, he believed, as all kings, I suppose there was a couple of queens, <laughs> there was like two or three, but they were all Henry's children, uh, as all... Royals, Men, members then, of the monarchy, uh, they believed that they were chosen by God because it was the divine right of kings. I actually believe they're chosen by dog, <laughs> the opposite of God. Anyway, um, so how like, like the werewolf, godfather <laughs> uh, God is the dog father. The dog father. Um, can you let people know where they can get in touch with us? 
on the internet. I'm, I'm at Finance King of Rain and Village on Twitter. Can I can I secure that as a Twitter name? Because I, I think I think that might be available actually. Finance King of Rain and, and Village. Uh, and I'm at. Um, at uh, I'm, a, I'm just at. at uh. See. I can always tell when you've had a hard day at school because you're not as pumped up as you normally are. Has it been a long day? Yeah. Uh, been... And I've got three hours of science tomorrow. Oh no. I hate science. Why? It's just I'm not good at it. Right. I don't enjoy it. The only thing I really enjoy is the practicals. Because you like burning stuff up, stuff up, or what? I don't even get to do that. It's so oh, boring. We literally sit and watch chemicals change colour, and it's like, why am I doing this? It's nothing to do with me. I'm sure there is a practical application for it, otherwise I wouldn't be teaching you it, would they? Oh, I went all daddish there, didn't I? I'm sure there's a practical application for it. Why are you... Always saying that. Why are you... Dig, what? Well, there's always... There's probably a practical application of it. Well, there will be, won't there? They wouldn't yeah. be teaching it to you otherwise. Anyway, on with the podcast, apart from you just moaning about school. On with the podcast. Oh, school, but do I really have to lose English to science? Yeah, but that's because English is your personal preference, isn't it? Did we see your science teacher at your no, open day? No, she was ill. She was ill? She was ill. It's like the first time I've seen her ill in four years. Oh, right, okay, so we didn't get to see her. What grade are you expecting in science? Oh, we're expecting to get seven. Which is an A? Yeah. Well, that's not, you can't be too shabby at science then. It's like a science. And it's you clear, right, you okay, clearly don't still, suck at science if you're getting an A. They still base our target grades off our SATs. And we didn't do science at SATs. Okay. So why are you getting an a expected grade A? I'm getting like a five in science, I think. What, a C? Yeah. You don't suck at it then, do you? I don't find any joy in it, and it makes me very... Yeah. Okay. Do you want to moan about anything else? We should call this the moaning project, because it's just turned... No, science is the only thing at school I don't enjoy. Okay, fair enough. Business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a list. <laughs> I just like to just How do you... I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick something that everybody enjoys. How do you feel about lunch? <laughs> You're not too keen on lunch! <laughs> just, What's it? What? Just kidding. Uh, I just don't like Friday week two lunch. Friday week two lunch. I, tell, I can tell what kind of mood you're in. Uh-huh. I say, do you like lunch? And you pick, out of ten days, <laughs> the day that you don't like lunch. I just have to stand in the canteen for the whole lunch and make sure people don't get out of food. Oh, what, because of your role yeah. as uh, Master Overlord? I mean, I mean Prefect. <laughs> um, oh, is that right? issue with them going out So, what, so what, what have you got to do? I've got to stand at the doors of the canteen and make sure nobody gets out with hot food. And what, happen, what happens if somebody does a runner with hot food? Have you got to clothesline them or something? Yeah. <laughs> You've got to stop them. You've got to stop them. Push them back in. Push them back in. Has that ever happened? <laughs> what? I've never done it because I don't like doing it, but I have a friend who does the door, door with me and I've literally seen her put her arm out and push someone away. <laughs> what? Because they tried to escape the sausage or something. <laughs> what, what was the food stuff in question they tried to escape with? I think it was a curry. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Okay, so why are they trying to escape the lunchroom with a curry? Because people don't... For some reason, people don't like eating in there. Right. They like to take their food out to like the canteen, out to like the field. Right. But they're not allowed to eat. You don't eat a curry in a field, though, <laughs> do you? I mean, that's a perfectly oh, sensible rule. If you to got people, right. so it's like... Imagine this. Sorry, where they're going to hide a curry? See, <laughs> 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 you know those people that have got handbags? Right, you don't put curry in a handbag. <laughs> you don't open the top, put it, balance it on their book, zip it and walk out. No! Yeah. Yeah. Who's hiding a curry in their it's bag? Like, it's curries like spaghetti, chicken nuggets, like slabs of meat with chips. It's like... No, look, I get it. I get it with harder foodstuffs like uh, steak or chips or chicken nuggets. No, it's mostly but just you, the hard stuff. You don't put spaghetti or a curry in a bag to take home, do you? That's just <laughs> that's just not cricket. <laughs> where do they eat it? The field. I don't know. Right. Imagine this. You go into an Indian restaurant. We go around the cherry tree. Okay. I might be the Murgy Masala King of Rain, actually. I might, I might take that role as well. You go around the cherry tree, uh, he comes along with my Murgy Masala, <laughs> and, and then I pick the plate up, I pick the plate up, and then go to walk out. And he goes, oh, no, where are you going? And I turn around and go, the park, right? Now, that, that makes no sense to nobody. So why are they leaving with plates okay, of curry I've, I've, to go to the field? I've eaten, like, cheesecake in a park before. Cheesecake? <laughs> what sort of barbarians am yeah, I raising? Like, uh, me and uh, two friends, we bought a whole cheesecake. Tell a lie, we bought two whole cheesecakes. <laughs> it was the last day of term, uh, last day of the year, last year, and we bought two old cheesecakes and plastic cutlery and went and sat in a field and ate it. That's fine. Nobody should be eating curry in the field, all right? <laughs> Let's just draw the line on that. Anyway, that's not... I don't even know how we got onto that subject, curry in the field. I might um, just eat curry in a field now to annoy you. Unofficial... <laughs> never eat curry in a field. Unofficial, do it, do it. Unofficial question of the podcast, and I might do what it as foods a... foods not to eat in a field? And I might do it... Uh, I might do it as a poll on Twitter. Should you eat curry in a field? Um, or... What's the worst food you can eat in a field? Maybe we do that. Ants. But the official question of the podcast... <laughs> I mean, ants are quite practical in the field, aren't they? What, yeah, but you wouldn't want to pick an ant out of the field and eat it. The official question of the podcast is, if you wrote a book about your, auto, uh, about your life, an autobiography, what would you call it? I said your one would be May, or not May, <laughs> Meh. Um, but now I'm thinking, don't take that curry into a field. Life of a prefect might be the, uh, um, might be the, might be the, a good time. What would you call yours? God, what's the right word? So, sorry, is that what you call it? What's the right word? Yeah. And what is the right word? Meh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just underneath in small letters. Yeah. How do you, how do you write that? That. Eh. Eh. Yeah. Um, well, there's, there's the hum of agreement and it's mm, but it's MHM. Murmur. Mm. Murmur. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, we'd like to know your answer to what would your um, autobiography and uh, follow up questions can you eat curry in a field? Yes. And the other follow up question what's the worst food to eat in the field? And the, and the next follow up question why are you eating in a field? 
Um, it's a nice open space. Would you not like a picnic? I wouldn't take Carrie on a picnic. I would. That I would, sounds interesting. I wouldn't take anything sloppy on a picnic. And then the other follow-up question, and this is a genuine one that I might ask in a future podcast. What's the weirdest thing you've hidden in a bag? <laughs> that I might genuinely ask that for a future podcast. You know what? A spider. <laughs> right, we'll answer that next time. In the meantime, you can get in touch with us at... Holla Kindness, H-O-L-A Kindness. You can get in touch with me on that's on Twitter. You can get in touch with me at Chris Dame, C-H-R-I-S-D-A-E-M-S on Twitter. You can get um, uh, in touch with Charlotte on Twitter at... Uh, no, no, that's an actual account um, that I follow. That's, uh, uh, Charlotte J. Dames. Uh, and we're, the start. Yeah, we're all over the social media web, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, MySpace, all of the ones. And on that particular note, should we get on with the show? Oh, yes. So this week, we've got one of my favourite guests um, and one of the kindest blokes that I know, a guy called Mr Patrick Luol. Now, I am conscious that I've mispronounced his name there, so... Is that the, the documentary guy? No, that's Leon Lagothetis. He went out two weeks ago. Uh, I, I, I recognise that name, and I was like, I've only been in a couple of interviews. Which ones do I remember? No, being? no, no. Pat, Patrick is an amazing guy. He gets involved in good gym. He does work for Pump Aid. Um, although, since we've recorded this actual podcast... He's left Pump, pump Age um, to go to a new charity. Um, but we are, he is coming on as a guest podcast host in a few weeks. So we'll get to have a chat with him about all these new projects. But because he's shared so much interesting stuff, I still wanted to share his interview with him um, and he can tell us all about him. Would you like to listen? Oh, yes. Patrick, thanks for coming on the podcast, mate. Really appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, you are certainly one of the kindest people I know. So I thought, uh, and and we've been threatening to do this for so long, haven't we? Yeah. So we uh, we definitely we definitely need to do it. Um, before we start the questions of, of the kindness, I know you're a listener of the show, um, and you know when we do interviews, we always ask the questions of the podcast at the end. So what one are you looking forward to answering, and what one are you dreading answering? Just so I can know, I can definitely ask you the one that you're going to dread. I'm going to be, I've seen them, part of the superheroes, and I'm way overthinking, and I think about it in the shower last night. Oh, okay, okay. And I'm way, yeah, I'm way overthinking about whether I want to be um, invisible, shapeshift, fly, lift. Shapeshift? We didn't have that many shapeshifters, funny enough. That's the powerful one. Yeah, yeah, I like that. But then again, it just proved quite deep, and I thought, I don't know how much to give away, really, about that. Okay. It can be used for good or bad, can't it? Could do, could do, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we know each other, but for, for the benefit of our audience, tell us about you. Yeah, so I'm Patrick Lewong. I used to be a financial planner, so that's how I, I know Chris. And I'm 11, um, I did that for 11 years, and two years ago I made a transition to the non-profit sector following quite a lot of volunteering in my spare time, and I kind of recognised that um, you know, my energies were 
much more alive and my passion was there. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about that in a bit about sort of the journey, because I'm sure that's yeah. quite interesting for you and your listeners. Yeah. Um, brought up in Sheffield as well, if that's of interest. Okay. Um, kind of, Got any brothers or sisters? Yes, I'm the youngest of five, and actually I'm first generation from sort of Vietnamese refugees, actually, which is quite interesting. Okay. So, so I've got older brothers and sisters who were born in Vietnam. Yeah. And my parents were sort of some devout people, which is really interesting. Okay. My brother in Hong Kong, and then it was me. Do you um do you think your background informs your life experience coming from a big family or coming from Vietnam? How does that inform how you think and how you feel? It's an interesting one. I think Vietnamese as a culture, they're very resilient, hardworking. Okay. Um, and I think I've learned a lot from my parents from that. So they, they, they came over with, with nothing. I think okay. being the only British born, being the youngest, I've kind of had that double layer of being felt like I'm spoiled. Okay. Fortunate, so there's yeah, there's different elements of that. So it's weird. I'm the eldest in my family, yeah. but I feel the luck. I, I've, I've had all the luck. I mean, Russell, Russell, I'd suggest is certainly definitely kinder than me, but I've been lucky enough to have more opportunities. I think it's interesting, isn't it? I don't know. It yeah, I'm the youngest. I've, well, I suppose it's very different here in Britain. Yeah. I kind of learned then from my other Little sister was the first to break yeah. away to university. So, tell me about early days. So, from Sheffield, where, where, wh- how did you end up in uh, in London? In London, quite a traditional route. Actually, I was quite good at school, paid attention, very good. You know, like my friends' parents always wanted me to hang out with them. Hope <laughs> you'd be a good influence. Yeah, that's quite nice. I didn't realise at the time I was just being who I was, but it kind of when you look back, you go, yeah, you can see what they were doing. I kind of just thought that it's rebuffed. Yeah. So it was quite kind. I was always just quite. Curious. I, I, I like to make friends, and yeah, it was just very instinctive to me. So you know, I did well at at school, did, and did volunteering, as we'll talk about later. Throughout that, um, then so even as a even as a kid, yeah, well, I think what I experienced volunteering, which possibly served the seat. I think I experienced a lot of kindness because growing up, we were kind of semi-adopted by a couple of. Um, Mentors and uh, very kind people who took us in, okay. helped us English and and just looked after us and fed yeah. us well. So you were set, you saw kindness from a yeah. from a recipient. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. It tends to be bizarre. It was just sort of um, you know, older women in real time for my mum. Loved it. And I think yeah, we've experienced that. We all know that. We still very fondly remember them. That does definitely inform some of my later decisions about to give back more. Okay. But even at school, kind of, it's then, uh, we've done bits on the side, so I've done Duke of Edinburgh. Yeah. Up my ears up to other things, yeah. kind of first aid. Okay. And then I did other, any opportunity to do volunteering. Was you ever a cub? Was you ever a cub? Well, that's that, no. I think if I'd have known about it, I would have done. Yeah. Um, People I meet now say, "Oh, you must have been a scout when you grow up." Yeah, I, I, well, I was never a scout because I left for them, but I was a cub, yeah, yeah. and and I've never ever understood the reason for the toggle. Do you know what I mean? Did, did you do you know what a toggle is? So it's like a, like a plastic thing that 
puts a, like a scar. No. We had nothing. So, so I'm, I'm going to tweet you a picture of a, a cub toggle. It's like a little plastic thing. And you had, it was like, if you were in like the red group, you had a red toggle. And so, anyway, I, 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 look, I, I, it's really difficult to explain verbally, but I will get you a picture of a, of a, of a, to, of a toggle over. So, um, left school, went to yeah, college. Went to college and uh, probably didn't do too much. Actually, in my summers, I, I did volunteer at Oxfam. Okay. So that was really interesting. I was store manager, um, deputy store manager. Got to meet really interesting characters actually, some with um, learning difficulties. Okay. Uh, so them trying to find work. So that was quite an experience as well. Okay. And then I went down to university of Warwick and did some there as well, did more first aid with them. Yeah. And did uh, this achievement called Millennium Volunteers and did okay. 50 hours with them. So okay. it's kind of a, 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 a recurring story. theme. Yeah. yeah but so then what made you not go into the third sector from, from uni and go into the world of financial planning? Interesting. Yes, yeah, a good question. I think, well, throughout that time, I was good with numbers anyway. Not that I necessarily enjoyed it, but you don't really learn that yeah. later by the separation because you're very closely connected. If you do well at something, you get the yeah. feedback. Yeah. I can pursue that. So, uh, I mean, I did a very, very broad discipline at university for disciplines, actually, which is very unusual and very exhausting. So I did maths and operational research, statistics and economics. Okay. Not too obvious for the third sector in its sense, but uh, it set me up for finance, really. Okay. It's kind of more practical, so I didn't really enjoy the pure maths. I really wanted it to have a purpose. Do you, it's, it's an interesting one. Do you think that when it comes to careers, and certainly when uh, when uh, I talked to my dad about this, um, a career in finance or law or um, anything like that is perceived as more prestigious yeah. than a career in the third sector. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I think it depends a lot on culture and your yeah. family situation. Yeah. So you're right. And I mean, it's interestingly, so when I was a teenager, I did the careers test. Okay. Someone called Kudos back in the day, in the 90s. Yeah. And it threw out Fishmonger Bazaar. <laughs> Fishmonger. Yeah, yeah. We did, we've, we've just done a little test in the business, actually. Um, and it, was, it was Rich who introduced it because um, he'd son of his son had done it and it was a sort of Myers-Briggs style personality test yeah. and um, I, I I did it and it gives you a, like a spirit animal oh, and wow. a um, and a saying that represents you as an individual and apparently I'm just a blatant show off but that, that, that's my thing and um, my spirit animal was a dolphin and my um, my uh, phrase was please love me I didn't think I was that needy to be honest but but yeah it was it was an interesting thing I think like everybody in the in the business was had a different like dynamic yeah dolphins would relate to that no I know so I don't know why I don't know why yeah kind themselves. I, I'm taking the positive attributes of dolphins to to to, to art but yeah it, it was uh, yeah, it was it, it was interesting no but you're right in terms of careers though so when I looked at I did get seduced by the more traditional ones. Yeah. So the solicitor, lawyer, and I did, I did find this thing called an actuary as well, which is a bit of a yeah. concept. I saw the big books and the big salary. Yeah, I'm going to go for that. Yeah. And I kind of did pursue that. So my degree did go down that way. But then I did an internship, which I was bizarrely allocated to a non actuarial project. So 
this is when I first started hearing about financial products actually I heard about audience and yeah. sort of being sort of podcast listeners but it's some things that then sowed the seeds and about IFAs yeah. um, and it was strange because they put me on this actual program but given me a, a strategy um, project which I enjoyed more okay. that's where I kind of thought actually I don't really want to do actual I'm not really the time to start getting a yeah. computer for insurance yeah. life insurance general insurance but nah, that's not me I can do it it's yeah. where I start to learn the difference between sort of skills and what you want to be doing yeah I thought, nah, you want to be work with it, was it? Yeah, you want to work with people. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. really lucky. I can just absorb complex information. Yeah. Disseminate it in different ways. Yeah. It's another techie or to on the street. Yeah. So it's that, that translation, that 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 ability to translate complex information, simplify it. Exactly. So yeah. That's what yeah. Got me into the financial planning bags. Okay. So actually, is something that I thought really kind of underlying skills that I wanted to get out was that kind of coaching, teaching, mentoring. Yes. And, and and we we met when you were working for an amazing financial yeah. planning f- firm run by Ruth. But you went through a period of of, of coaching change that that changed your perspective. What what happened during that journey? It did. Well, I think it was more about how financial planning, well, financial advisor became financial planning subtly. Yeah. And I think I started yeah, very technically. I started in the city and yeah, passed all my exams, and I was very proud of that in terms of some of the sort of tax and pension yeah. and it took a while, we didn't really talk about what it all meant. Okay, yeah, because that was... It, it w- Which is strange. Uh, I mean, we, we d- certain firms do a lot now, I know we do, and I know, yeah. that, I know that the firm that you were part of does, but that's taken years it to has. get to the point where money has a meaning. Yeah. Um, and you look back now and go, why didn't we get it all those years ago? I don't know, I don't know what happened. Yeah. I, 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 I think it was driven by... Products, you know that 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 was it. But well, I but think yeah. also the old-fashioned definition of retirement, so you just go to a certain age. Yeah. And think actually, what does my idea of life have to work look like? Yeah. Can I yeah. slow down and stop entirely? Yeah. What do I want to carry in my seventies? Yeah. I can spend more today. So no, that side of it was really fascinating yeah. about yeah. the human side of financial planning. What does what's money in life about? You know, what, and then sort of it gets even deeper. So the conferences I went to with some of the keynote speakers really started to open my eyes and some yeah. of the books I was reading again through some good mentoring through Ruth as well yeah about, you know, what is life about and you kind of get some what? ideas I mean this could get into a super deep question but what's life about for you I think for me what I'm definitely feeling is that I'm I like to serve and to help people and to yeah. um, again using that skill set that I've got to just absorb complexity yeah and got a good memory for things and um, I find it really easy to build relationships I think and to understand other perspectives okay and I think for me just to combine that just for good really and it yeah. kind of that, yeah, just making loads of money didn't entice me I remember when I yeah. got my great degree and came down to London I didn't think oh, I'm going to go to the investment bankers at all I just thought yeah, was, yeah. you know I had this concept of never quite silly on myself I think because I grew up in you know, humble background yeah. so I'm just never really feel. Uh, you know what? I absolutely agree with that. I think, I think there was never in our in our family growing up. There was always that perception of of, of doing well, but knowing that enough wasn't as much as you thought you needed. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes when you're from that particular background, as I am, and you are, um, the perception of you know 
I need to earn X amount because I need this sort of lifestyle is is a bit of a fallacy, isn't it? Because it's almost, isn't it? Depends what you're used to. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, but but does it define happiness? Is the other key factor? And I think happiness comes from within to a certain extent. Now I know I know that the day job now. I know you've got a million hats, yeah. but I know that the day job is with Pump Aid, isn't it? That's so right. tell me a little bit about Pump Aid. Tell me what they do. Tell me why you decided to get involved with Pump Aid yeah. instead of all of the other choices you had at the time. It's interesting. So yeah, so I think it's a good question about what made me change career and then why then. Yeah. Like, we'll go into that. I think yeah, we'll talk about the, what, what's life about and uh, some of the acid tests we used to apply and there's different versions of it. I think one positive one is what you're, you're writing your own story. So what do you, you know, what's your ending look like? What's the yeah. You know, before you could go on to kind of the eulogy one, which some people don't really like, but it's a reality we've got at a certain time on this planet and someone's going to stand up yeah. You're writing that script. Yeah. What do you want to be known for? And those kind of feelings of what a success look like to you, where you've got one life, make it a good end. Yeah. All that kind of mentality. And I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm really enjoying my career in financial planning. I've really enjoyed these deep conversations and unlocking people's perceptions about money and letting them lead a happy life. But when I looked internally, I thought, I'd be okay. You know, if I was to sort of go under a good bus tomorrow, I'd be quite satisfied. I'm, I've got, I've, an okay life, but I think I've got another gear. And so, in the last two years, two or three years of financial planning, I was doing a lot. I've rediscovered volunteering. Yeah. In Dormer, as I say, there's that common message right from my teens to university. I came to London, I don't know what it is about London. I took it out of me, I didn't do anything. Yeah. I came to London for a good eight or nine years. Yeah, okay, okay. So, that mentality, I thought, actually, I've got another gear. I've I think I could do more. And what was the first step into volunteering in London? So it was through Good Gym, and it kind of goes back to those stories about these two really important sort of older women who took them under their wing as a family, and then individual as a person as well. And I think both of them had passed away at the same point. My auntie passed away as well later, and you know, she took me under. I lived with her for, for a time. And I think those kind of break back to to the front of my mind that actually this is something that's dormant and yeah. I want to do something about it. I want to, there's a, there's a lot of talk, this is where loneliness had just started. Separately, I'd actually had accidentally gone into running um, via a shoulder injury which caught me out of climbing into running. It's very strange how you kind of how life works out, but I kind of ride what it throws at me. Um, I achieved a marathon and stopped and then uh, separately kind of uh, I'd lost focus on that and then I'd heard about this scheme where you can combine a befriending scheme and running and that's what really yeah. back for me it kind of gave running purpose and that's one yeah. of the matters of, of, of good gym but kind of I'll come to that in a, a little bit about that but that was what then reinvigorated that okay. I to do something for greater good so okay. when I kind of once I got into that mindset of all these keynote speakers that I mentioned these sort of bigger world you know, a bit more on, on TED talks and there was just a few about a few that resonated with me about you know where I wanted my impact to be. So once I decided actually I'm not really best served helping multimillionaires anymore. I've enjoyed it and it's been absolutely fantastic. They deserve really good advice. They just don't need me personally and I think my heart Where you can have more value. Yeah. Market, that's what I think you can replace probably both, but at least the technical skills you can yeah. find. Okay. And, and then I really thought about 
wanting to improve. I think really my mantras are about equalizing opportunities and maximizing opportunities mm -hmm. as well. And that's most effective in the early years. And I think I really feel strongly about you know having a good early childhood experience or avoiding bad ones. And that yeah. was where I went out to look. And it was initially a challenge actually to look. It was a busy job, a busy career, financial planning, and actually looking for a new job is hard, looking for a new career is a challenge. And I was quite yeah. broad in my search. So your, your search started with two main focuses, um, starting life well, and making sure that you ensured that people had opportunities in, in younger life. But that could that's that's quite a broad remit, isn't it? it? Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about happiness and kindness and, and maximising life, isn't it, really? And I think if some of it's out of your hands, then I want to avoid that. Okay, okay. So so you had this broad remit. And I had these skill set. I think, and actually, if I can... I'm very used to these conversations with people I'm used to selling concept of you know people have understanding values and what's important so there was a transition there's and it's i don't know how far it's progressed in financial planning but as i was leaving there was this new social investment attachment even trying to yeah. nudge yeah do well and do good yeah, yeah, yeah. nudge wealth in that way yeah, you know, yeah. You i know you've spoken to some of the people about about sort of investing yeah um but it wasn't going fast enough i thought no yeah so I need to sort of get out and do it more directly, but maybe this conversation is applicable because there'll be plenty of conversations where you've identified either a surplus each year, it could be a tax planning thing, or it could be you identify an inheritance tax problem, yeah. and then you have that conversation. Actually, that's where it fits in. And yeah. You can have real big impacts with 100,000, 10,000, 100,000, whatever it is yeah. important to you, but you've got some power. If you're really fortunate, you might have 10, 20 million. Yeah, so we've we've had we've had some really great conversations with a lady called um, Lauren Janice, who does um, yeah she 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 she, she talks yeah. to people about mean, meaningful giving um, and it's 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 an interesting I love it I absolutely love it she's uh, she's spoken at a couple of our events as well so I think I think certainly there's a growing trend of people having conversations and being able to turn around and say well, look what do I care about exactly. what what am I about and how can I give my money to make sure that, that that's that's meaningful um, but um, I get where you're coming from in terms of direct impact because that's indirect isn't yeah. it and sometimes you especially if you're impatient like you and I we want to see change more immediately than that don't we so talk to me about why you picked Pump Aid? Yeah, so it's by a little bit by accident. Cause I did meet them. It was a friend of a friend who worked there and just suggested I come along. Yeah. And I'd not thought about international development at all, actually. I was more thinking about... UK-based. UK-centric, you know, really, yeah, in terms of role models, education, and, um, yeah, avoiding bad experiences and having good experiences, and uh, mm. very UK-centric. And then when I met them... Kind of two things really. One was just the concept of water policy. I thought, whoa, it's even below kind of, sort of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. Below, you know, and it's not that you compare sort of bad for bad. It's not about that, but just it's a completely yeah. different world. So yeah. Yeah. You have to work for a while, and then within that space, I think this the the work that we do at Pompeii really resonated with me. It almost bothered me. So talking about philanthropic conversations, you can have very positive and compassionate conversations, but you can also be quite angry as well and want to do something about it. And bizarrely, that I went in on the kind of the anger side, irritatingly, because yeah. 
Uh, but anger, anger can be a dry, like a, a, a motivated positive change. It was really, really funny. I, um, I, uh, I was on radio earlier this week um, and talking about um, pension fraud. So uh, the, I, it was funny because I got invited on the radio. They said, "Look, can you talk about pension fraud?" I was, uh, it was a guy called Darren Cook who, ru- who runs a financial planning firm up in. Yeah, yeah, Red Circle. So he he started the campaign to stop cold calling, and it's only um, it's only just come into law. You know, this year it came into law. So it, the campaign's been running for four years, and on the week of the um, the law changing so that pension cold calling was banned, um, my father-in-law got pensions cold call. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, yeah, well, you know what, and, and I'll tell you what it made me think, um, it made me think, if you're doing something dodgy, you don't care whether there's a law against it or not, probably, because yeah. um, uh, we've had instances of, um, of uh, cl- clients' friends receiving those sort of calls, and continuing to, so that frustrated me a bit. So I reached out to a few contacts and said, look, can we start talking about this in the media? Because I think it's something that the general public won't know is now illegal. So let's make sure that we're getting some awareness out there. So I went for this radio interview, talked about pensions, um, and it was a, it was on a music radio station. So amazing thing, Patrick. I got to pick some songs, right, which is quite a nice experience to, to go along and do. So the first song I picked was uh, David Bowie, Life on Mars, classic. No, 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 none of them was financially related. You know what's weird, though? Um, Charlotte's, because Charlotte's 15, she's now giving me song tips. So I'm loving a bit of Lewis Capaldi at the minute. Love it. Um, anyway, pick this song, and the, the, the de- while the song was playing, it was the first break we had, while the song was playing, the DJ uh, said to me, can you please stop banging the table? Because... <laughs> I can. I know you're annoyed about this particular subject, but our listeners can hear it. I didn't even realise that I was banging the table. Um, so yeah, I, I I did the rest of the hour with my hands behind my back, trying to avoid like bang, like sort of table banging because that. But yeah, that, but actually, actually, I think I think anger and frustration can pointed in the right direction, and hopefully. Like, even if it's just one person listen to that who gets pension cold call will never will, 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 will never sort of make that change um, can lead to positive impact and I, I think to some sort of negative energy you've got to think about how you how you focus that on making positive change yes. um, um, but yeah it's interesting pump aid that's, that's how it happens so yeah. in terms of um, yeah, our award winning flagship project is about entrepreneurship skills and choices so rather than just building a pump using imported technology and not leaving the, the skill sets there they break down and they stay broken down so yes because nobody's there to fix it yeah, yeah. it really bothered me because i remember i said to them that when i met them at the interview i said you know 20 years ago i sat in re class in the mobile in you know mass sheffield school learning about this concept of giving a man Teach man to fish, to fish, yeah. yeah. It's still not, why is this a big deal? It's still an issue. Why is this a new project? I mean, I know it's, it's more nuanced than that. Development is complicated, but they've got to a certain stage where I thought they've got a great concept and they've got some brilliant traction with it. I think I can, you know, I've got good skill set to um, 
yeah, to help you bring this to more audiences. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and it's been really successful. You know, over the last 18 months, we've got a few more awards and some more funding because it, it is the right way to, to do yeah. things. And it's yeah. just using really treating people in Malawi like we would anyone yeah. anywhere here. So, so Pampaid's Malawi focused or across yeah. Africa or specifically in Malawi? It's just Malawi right now. I mean, okay. it's a 20 year old story and it started. Um, Probably in Liberia as well, okay. but right now it's just focused on Malawi. Okay. So if, if we can crack that market, then we can do the others after. We'd yep. rather do a focus and get, yep. get really good connections with local councils, local governments. So, what did you think? It was good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> Amazing. Should we go on with the end of the show? Tis the end. All I can see, because your head's really long at the minute, is your hair. You look like a mini version of it hanging over the podcast, mate. <laughs> Not it, um, cousin it from uh, the <laughs> the. Uh, now you do realise we're on a podcast, and our, our listeners can't see that. It's purely for your um, So, the end. <laughs> Let me take a photo of that. Can you just while I get my camera, while I get my yeah, cam- yeah. phone, carry on, carry on telling people what okay, you just did. So, um. I'm, I can't really see, so if I'm not talking into the mic, I'm talking into my hair. Um, so my hair is over my eyes, and it is pinned back by my glasses. I can kind of see through them. I know the frame's there, and it kind of hurts my eyes. Oh, look at me. It's, it's pushing into them. Right. Job done. Well, that was two minutes of quality podcast we've called in where you <laughs> pretend you're cousin it from the Adams family. Um, anyway. Best character. Anyway, <laughs> the end it's is never, never the end. end. The end is always the beginning. Because. You really need some new lines. Okay. Tis the end. It's my life. My friends. It's the end. Of all the, things good. Of all things. Because this podcast is great. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Neither do I. Uh, should we just crack on? We are talking a lot of nonsense today. Should we? Should we just crack on the show uh, with last week's question of the podcast this week, which is what's your favourite Disney or Pixar movie and why? And we had loads of people um, tell us what there was. And the first one wasn't a Disney or Pixar movie. It was a DreamWorks movie. Um, and oh Kafka said, said the B movie is her favourite. Um, just some of the jokes in it were really clever, including the one where it talked about her uh, school report and said, I've got a perfect school report. I got all Bs, which was, I thought, quite amusing. So that was Kath Keats. Um, Selena Hobson said, Finding Nemo, it's her all-time favourite. It's a film my kids would sit down and watch together as a family, and not many films nowadays cater for everybody. Steve, Steve from the gym, who is now an official friend of the show. We need to start rewarding these friends of the show. Reward them with what? Should we reward them with some... Hats and back. Would, we could reward them with merch available at www.thekindestproject.co.uk forward slash merch forward slash buy my stuff 
backward slash, what are you up to? Um, uh, Jess Lake said Toy Story. Lucy Patrick said The Little Mermaid. Cookie had a t- reckons he could have done a top ten for this. Honourable mentions go to Up, uh, which is beautiful as, and is one of the best openings of any film, agreed. And Toy Story 3, and because the, the ending breaks, is his heart. I still need to see number four. Francis Barrett said Wally. Uh, I think it was well ahead of its time and shows how the human race will get too lazy to look after their current environment and too fat to get out of their big electric chairs. And also, Doug the dog. Hayley Ball said, I'm seriously supposed to pick one. I love so many Disney films. If I have to choose it, it'd be Lady and the Tramp. Lovely story, great songs, cute dogs. What what more could you want? Not the remake. Uh, Dawn Kirk said... I've picked a dream world one again but Shrek I love them all when it's so funny that's amazing uh, Glenn Glenn May said uh, this is the hardest question we've asked yet really what about the cake question where they had the whole ja- biscuit question where they had the whole Jaffa cake oh, okay. um, said um, honourable mentions go to Maleficent Maleficent and Finding Nemo, but for him it's The Incredibles. Dave Forsdyke said, Mrs. Forsdyke loves Brute Beauty and the Brute Beast, but for me it's Toy Story. Uh, groundbreaking animation coupled with a wonderful story of loyalty, friendship, equality, and tolerance. And Charlie said, Best Disney film is Robin Hood, uh, but I also love Up. Not afraid to go there with a difficult subject, and it's a Particularly beautiful Robin Hood's film. The one with the fox, it is. It? it is. It's Robin Hood in animal form. But yeah, it's all good. So Look any animal form is an allegory for the Russian Revolution. That went a bit dark all of a sudden, <laughs> didn't it? We 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 started talking about. Um, they did do they did do an animated version of anim, Animal Farm, didn't they? At one point. It was a movie, but it was awful, and it didn't follow the same story plot as the book. What didn't it? Didn't end the same way. All the animals ran away and they came back. Rubbish. In the book. You don't rewrite Orwell, do you? Where did we go from light-hearted Disney and Pixar films, not always, but mainly, to an image of a pig-run farm that chased away all the humans? Whenever I think of animals in the place of humans, I always think of Animal Farm. And whenever I think of Robin Hood, I just think about how he died. You are a little ray of sunshine today. (laughs) Thank you. No, he made a place for his... Because he knew he was dying. He said, wherever I shoot the arrow, this is where the merry men... This is where I will be buried. So the merry men took his body to where the arrow arrow was, and they buried him under it. And and there was a giant tree grew, and the merry men always met picnics there. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm there sad. I was happy at the start of this podcast, but you've never. No, but it's a me. good story. Is it? They celebrated his life with the life of something entirely new. And with that fresh, happy perspective, I'm happy again. So thank you. Should we end this podcast yeah. now? Yeah. All right. See you later.